Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. I'm your host, Misty Little. This is Season 3, Episode 3, and my guest today is Jill McSheehy from the Beginner's Garden Podcast. Jill started her podcast earlier this year when I discovered her podcast through my every few months iTunes search. I was thrilled to see someone was covering the very basics for beginning gardeners. As a new gardener, Jill found it could be difficult to find even the most basic gardening information, and as she got a couple of years under her belt, she launched the podcast as a way to continue learning and growing as a gardener, but also to reach out and assist new gardeners. We touched on the trials and tribulations of her first year or so of gardening, what she's learned and how she's changed her process, and where she wants to see her garden grow in the coming years. Jill is from Arkansas, a region of the country that seems to be underrepresented in the gardening world. If you're new to gardening, I highly recommend you check out Jill's website and podcast to learn some of those gardening skills you might not be able to find when you're pouring through the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcatcher you listen to. In addition, you can reach me at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com and find me on Instagram at thegardenpathpodcast. Don't forget to send me your audio clips, voice memos, or short videos of your why for gardening. To hear more, listen to episode 3-0 or check the show notes for this episode on how you can get those over to me. I'd like to have those in by December 1st. All right, so thanks and enjoy this episode. All right, Jill, so yeah, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast and um, I guess... I'll start off by saying I really wanted to have you on because I've never had another podcaster on too. So I kind of also thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about that aspect of gardening as well. But I guess first, if you want to start off introducing yourself, who you are, where you garden your zone, and maybe a little bit about your podcast too. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Jill McSheehy and I live in Arkansas. It's zone 7B. We're really close to zone 8, but zone 7B is where I'm located. And I blog at journeywithjill.net and I have a faith portion of my website and also a beginner's garden part of my website. So I have both of those on that site. And then I started the beginner's garden podcast in January of last year. Um, yeah, so I found your, I go through iTunes occasionally every few months and type in gardening to see what other new gardening podcasts uh, will pop up. And that's how I found you. And I was like, yay, someone else is gardening. Someone other podcast um, was podcasting. So I guess kind of where did you, how did you decide to jump from blogging to podcasting? I'm kind of interested to hear your story on, on that. And then is how you kind of um, started what you researched to start podcasting. Yeah, I think it was just kind of a natural thing for me because I realized in, I guess pretty quickly that I just, I really enjoy teaching people things, but I enjoy writing. I always have, but into podcasts myself, I thought this would be so much fun. I would really love to do this. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of what made me start deciding to pursue the podcasting route because I love teaching people. So it became a way that I could not only teach through my writing, but also teach just through my voice and communicating that way. Yeah, I think, okay. Are you an introvert? You kind of seem like maybe one, but I'm not sure. Are you? I think I am. I mean, I've always considered myself that, so I'm pretty sure I am. (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess for me too, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a similar 
in your way of like wanting to teach people, wanting to learn and, you know, blogging is one medium and podcasting is another. And I kind of feel like maybe we both kind of started the same way, feeling like there was a niche to fill. And um, I mean, obviously you're definitely different because you have your beginner side and I'm kind of more like general gardening, but um, which is fine. More gardening podcasts, the better. Um, But I guess, did you feel any kind of like intimidation kind of, was it scary to start or how, how did you just jump right into it? I guess I want to know. Well, I guess any kind of new adventure is scary to start, but like you mentioned, I'm, I go on more of the beginner's garden side. And when I started to do it, I really, my focus was on, and still is on people who don't have any or very, that may have very little gardening experience. And so I guess you don't know what you don't know. So I just thought I'm going to do something that's going to help those people. So okay. yeah, there was some trepidation for sure, but I was just so excited about being able to talk about my gardening and my experience and hope of being able to help someone else that that was really just kind of my, my main focus. Um, now did you have any, um, I guess what, what made you come up with your format? I guess, cause you, you're very solo or episode oriented, which is great. Cause I actually listened to your episodes and I'm like, man, she could talk really well. She goes on and on. And when I feel like when I do my solo episodes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm boring people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, no, not, not at all. I've listened to your, your podcast and I think we all just have our own little niche. And for me, I, I really, when I've started to to actually decide what I wanted to do for each episode. I, I outlined it because I'm, I'm a very organized person. So I just made sure that I outlined exactly what I wanted to teach. And um, just my format was just a teacher. Like if I had someone who had never grown potatoes before, for instance, mm-hmm. then I'm just trying to go from beginning to end as far as what, what they needed to know for potatoes. And I have sprinkled in um, some interviews here and there, and I hope to do that a little bit more next season. But I guess for the first season, I really just wanted to get a good foundation on if someone wants to go and learn the basics of this or that, then this is where they'll be able to go to find that. And I guess, have you felt like um, you have reached um, an audience or a listenership to that has benefited of people contacted you and said, Hey, I listened to this episode. Oh my gosh, this helped me out. Um, and has, I guess, has it been different from say writing on your blog about how to garden versus talking about it? Has the reception been different or? Absolutely. Yeah. The reception has definitely been different on the podcast. And I guess that's just kind of the way it is because someone listens to you and, and you've got their captive attention for 20 or 30 minutes. Um, but yes, I think, I think some of the most kind comments that I've had have been as a result of the podcast. And it's been people who have started their gardens and that I know at the end of the season, one girl like thanked me for helping her. And what cracked me up is that she's in Canada And I would have never thought that someone from Arkansas like me would have anything to provide someone in Canada, but she did. And that just meant the world to me that, that I was able to help someone to, to grow a successful garden their, their first or second year. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, Southern gardening versus, you know, that Northern gardening, that's pretty crazy. (laughs) It was. Um, so like you said, you're a beginner gardener, although I think, I don't I don't know. I still feel like I'm a beginner gardener and I've been gardening since 
like 2002, but I feel like there's always something new to learn. Yes. And I definitely don't know. I definitely don't know everything about every gardening aspect. So I definitely don't feel like I'm some expert or anything. So, but I, same thing. Do you feel like you've already kind of moved past that beginning stage or do you still have those beginner gardener kind of feelings? As a person and as a gardener myself, I feel like I've definitely gone past that beginning stage and I have to watch myself because I really want to stick to helping beginners, gar- beginning gardeners on my podcast and on my blog. And I have to watch myself and what kind of language I use because I'm like, oh, that wouldn't have made sense to me if, you know, at the very beginning. But on the other side, I really think the more that I learn, the more that it benefits those who listen to my podcast or read my blog because then I'm just getting a more of a depth of knowledge that I can, per- that I can contribute if necessary. But I definitely don't want to be, I don't want to get over anyone's head because that's something that's easy to do once you get a lot of experience under your belt and you just kind of assume that the general knowledge that you have is the general knowledge of a beginner. Um, I really, my, my goal is just to really help people who have no knowledge like I had because I remember how hard it was to find the most basic information. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, understand what you're talking about because I've done the same thing even with like, just like my mom or just friends that I have. And I'm like, we need to do this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, wait, we do need to start from the bottom here. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'll never forget one day when I had a friend that um, she came over and she kind of wanted me to look at, at, she wanted to look at my garden because she had just built a house and I was just rattling off this and this and this and this. And she just had that deer in the headlight look. And I was like, okay. (laughs) I totally talked past her and I didn't really even realize it. So I just have to be careful, you know, just to really focus on those, those basics. Yeah. I gave some seeds to a friend who had just bought a house and, you know, has never really gardened. You know, she may have had a pot in a container here and there and had given some seeds. And I'm like, I guess to me, it seemed like, okay, I'm just going to throw them in the dirt, water them and you're going to have plants. It just seems, you know, secondhand, I guess. Yeah. And you know, she emails me, she's like, what do I need to do? And that's when I'm, that's what it really, really hit me that I really needed to go through and explain that. And, um, it's definitely a different, <laughs> different when you're on the other side of it again. So it is. And I'm like you, I'm still learning. I mean, I, I still like, I had pepper plants that died like one after the other. I, you may, you I may have that. seen that yeah. on my Instagram and I'm just like, I don't have a clue what happened to them. So I, you're still learning. No matter, like you said, no matter how many years you have under your belt. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I meant to comment about that. Cause I thought I was wondering if they had nematodes like tomatoes, like if you needed to rotate the crops every year, like you should have tomatoes. So I didn't go research that, but it came in my head. I was like, I wonder if that would be a reason. So I don't know, but I, I, don't know. I haven't looked into that. I did look at the root system and I didn't, I didn't see any, anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, I had not planted tomatoes the year before hmm. that. Yeah. I don't know. It was just some, something that I thought of and I just, you know, obviously you're scrolling and you forget to go back and comment. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you garden in Arkansas and I guess let's go back to, go back to that first year of gardening mm-hmm. and what did you plant and how did you kind of go about, what did you learn that first year? Oh, goodness. Um, well, my first year, I, I tell everyone you need to start small, but 
do as I say, not as I, not <laughs> as I do, because I totally did not start small. I started out with a 2000 square foot garden oh and I, I planted, gosh, potatoes, obvious uh, potatoes. I'm trying to think of the order of the season, tomatoes, peppers, um, blueberries. I, I did a couple of perennial crops, squash. Um, those were probably, probably the main things that I planted that first year. And I mean, everything was a learning experience, but the biggest, the biggest learning experience that year was that I had to move my entire garden to a whole other place on our property because the fall before I had started preparing that, that land, I did kind of the back to Eden garden method where I laid down, I mean, hours and hours was spent with newspapers and wood chips and all this stuff to, to make that garden area. And then in the spring, it's all underwater and either underwater or too soggy and everything I'm planting, nothing's growing because it's choked out because we have really heavy clay soil. So probably I would say mid March, maybe April, we ended up completely changing our garden location, but because we have a a long garden season, I was able to replant my potatoes and replant all this stuff and it ended up working out well for me. So I think for me, just knowing that, failures is kind of where you get your biggest learning experience. And I learned a lot that first year and the failures that I was able to take and, and make my garden better, you know, that season and in, in subsequent seasons as well. And, um, that first season, I guess, did all of your crops do well, or do you have any problems with your crops after you got it going? They actually did remarkably well. Um, the, the pole beans that, cracked me up because I, th- I think you had referred to, to seeing my bamboo oh, yeah, trellis yeah. that I built and I'm obviously not a builder, but oh my goodness, those pole beans were weighing that thing down like crazy. And my husband was sitting there trying to get them back up and all that, but still it was, it was a, a huge win for me because my pole beans, I had never grown pole beans before. My mom didn't grow beans in, in my garden growing up, so I didn't have any experience, but so that went really well. And then I mean, goodness, everything that I grew that year did, did pretty well. So for a first year, I had a good experience. Yeah, because I, I can imagine that if it had gone not so great, you might have been discouraged and been like, oh, I'm giving up. Yes. And honestly, there, the seasons, probably last season and this season, have had more discouragements in that first season. So I'm really glad that I got off to a, a good start in comparison to some of the challenges that we faced recently. So when you moved gardens, did you do the back to Eden method again, or did you scrap that? Well, I kind of do it a little bit anyway, but at that point in the season, we had to till it. We didn't have enough time to lay all of the newspaper and okay. all that for that first year. So we, we tilled it for that year and then we covered it with wood chips as mulch that year. So that's what we ended up doing when we moved the garden. And we've continued to do that, just um, adding wood chips every year. Okay. Um, yeah, so you don't have raised beds. It's all a typical tilled in or just grown in like a typical Southern garden, I guess I would say, <laughs> like our grandparents would have done, right? Actually, I have both. I have, I would say, I think about six, six raised beds. And okay. at first they were actually in a different part of our property. And then this year I moved all the raised beds into the garden area and we expanded it to where that garden area is larger than 2000 square feet. It's probably more like 3,500, but I have all, I have about six raised beds there and I'll probably add a few more next year. Um, And you mentioned, 
I'm sorry, you mentioned blueberry bushes. Uh, what other kind of perennials uh, did you or have you ended up planting? Yes, our blueberry bushes have done amazing. I mean, we have more blueberries than we know what to do with. We took a lot of them to the farmer's market this year. Um, blackberries and raspberries, we've had several years. My blackberries have always done well. My raspberries, um, hit and miss. And then this year I decided I was going to really focus on adding more perennials. And so I planted asparagus and grapes for the first time this year. So those did are the perennials we have. Did you do um, the asparagus from crowns or seed? From crowns. Yeah, I started seed about three years ago. And this year I just finally started getting stocks big enough that I could think about harvesting. But I think it's really going to be next year that I get enough. So I'm kind of excited about that. Did yeah. you get any, get any a crop yet? Or I don't, I, since I don't have experience with crowns, I'm not sure how soon you get a harvest. From what I have read, we of course, we didn't get them this year, and we shouldn't get them next year, but it should be the third year. Third. We might get a few. Okay. So, so it's definitely a long-term investment for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So you're in Arkansas. You said 7B. Um, can you talk a little bit about Arkansas? I mean, I don't really hear, I don't see a lot of Arkansas gardeners maybe. And I think the South in general gets kind of the shaft in gardening discussions. Have so, I have yeah. so noticed that. <laughs> it's always the Northeast or the Northwest and maybe California. And you're like, uh, mm-hmm. hello. <laughs> yeah, like my favorite garden resources, they're all in the North and I love the resources, but I just, you know, it'd be nice to, some of the unique challenges that we have in the South. It'd be nice if that was, if that was addressed, but yes, we, I live in Arkansas and our state nickname is the natural state. So Arkansas is full of natural beauty and it's people just love the outdoors. We, we have two mountain ranges, rivers, lakes, and outdoor activity is really big in Arkansas. Um, We have two gardening zones, zones seven and eight, But the thing that I found out recently, and this is concerning for me, is that Arkansas as a state ranks in the bottom around 10% in terms of food security. So I think in general, maybe with gardening, and this is a total assumption on my part, I feel like we're coming to the party a bit late when it comes to growing our own food in comparison to other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And so that's one reason that I really want to be a resource, especially for people in my state to be able to get started growing their own food here. And I guess you're kind of in a, I mean, I've just seen your pictures, maybe in a rural or like kind of further out of the way area in the country. That's just what I get an idea of. I'm not sure. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, I live in an area called the River Valley, and we're halfway between Little Rock and Fort Smith. Now, the the city that I'm closest to is about, I don't know the latest census numbers, but it's about 30,000 people. And I'm from very, very rural area. So when I came to the city, I thought it was a big city, whereas my husband came from Dallas and he thought, where's the mall? (laughs) So I guess (laughs) it's all in your perspective. Okay. So we're kind of, I would say rural, but we've, I mean, we've got, you know, we've got decent amount of amenities here in our town. Yeah, I guess I was asking because you were talking about the food security and um, and gardening in general. I was just curious how many people did suburban or urban gardening, um, you know, because, you know, if you went to Dallas or Houston, you'd see in the, you know, the, the hip neighborhoods, the gardens and things like that. So I didn't know if that was going on in your part of town or if it was slowly coming in or if people aren't so interested in that. You know, I can't say for sure, but 
I don't see a lot of urban gardening here. I see more of the backyard gardens at the, the suburban type plots. Um, I don't okay. see a lot of, you know, large plots of land like mine. Where I live, I have three acres. So I have as much as I really need and more. Um, but I think most of the gardeners have like a suburban plot. I don't see a lot of urban gardening here, but it might be more so in Little Rock, but in my area, I don't see it so much. Okay. Um. So what kind of challenges? I mean, you probably have heat and humidity and probably all the same bugs that I do, but in Arkansas, <laughs> what have you faced uh, in the last few years that have really just like wanted to make you tear your hair out? Well, as far as just the challenges that go with our with our season is, and I don't know if it's like this with you, but our spring season is quite unpredictable. And more often than not, I found that we don't have a gradual change in temperature, you know, like you that nice mild weather where your cool weather crops can flourish. We really don't have that. I mean, some some years we get lucky and we do. Like last year was a pretty pretty decent year, but typically we tend to go to from cold as in, you know, freezing temperatures at night to pretty hot, like really quickly. And that makes it a hard, it makes it a challenge to grow cool, cool season crops because then they start bolting real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then related to that, another challenge is like you said, our hot and humid summers. And I'm, I'm sur- sure you can relate to this, but in July and August, some crops like tomatoes, they just stop producing because of the heat. And I've noticed that with my beans, they'll just completely cut off production. And you know, the last few years I've learned to plan for that. And then they'll come back in in September, which is nice. But the good thing is where we live is we have a really long growing season. So in my area, I usually have something in the ground from between February through November and even December. And that's not counting garlic because obviously garlic starts growing in January if I plant it in the fall. Mm -hmm. But the actual growing season can last our first, our last frost to our first frost is from early April through November. So we can grow long season crops and then we can succession plant our hearts out. That's something that I've really enjoyed doing lately. And then this also helps when you have problems, such as when your rabbits decimate your crops like I had <laughs> this year, you can start over and then you can have a little bit of wiggle room there. So that's kind of some of the challenges that we've had as far as our, our season, but also some of the benefits as well. So you mentioned the rabbits. Do you do any kind of like row covers or fencing to try to deter them? Or are you just kind of trying to live with them, I guess? Well, the funny thing is, is this is, this was our fifth year and my husband built a electric fence to keep the deer and the rabbits out. And we had electric fencing, you know, near the bottom to keep the rabbits out and and all the way up to the top to keep the deer out. And we have not had any problems with rabbits or deer for four seasons. And then this year my crops started disappearing and my son was like, mom, there's a rabbit in the garden. And as I go out there, it's jumping through two of the electric lines. Like it's figured out how to jump through it instead of going under. And what I had to end up doing, and this was a completely um, just a temporary fix is we had to go and take chicken wire and just um, surround some of my early crops because they don't really bother the mature crops. They were just bothering. Like I couldn't get my beans because my pole beans, because I kept eating them down. So Mm -hmm. I've surrounded my pole beans temporarily. And then recently I've changed that temporary fence over to my raised beds while I'm trying to do some of my fall garden, which those, you know, those are early crops and they would eat those too. But next year, I think we're going to change it where we're actually going to put that chicken wire fence around the perimeter of the garden and then keep the electric part on the top to deter the deer. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask about deer too, because I have that problem as well, but <laughs> not so much yes. in my vegetable garden because we have it fenced off, but our flower garden isn't fenced. So they go through that all the time. So yes. oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Now, do you have any um, chickens or other animals? Yes, we have 15, 15 chickens, 14 chickens. We lost one. We lost our rooster for some reason, but um, we have yeah, 14 chickens. We started out with uh, six and then we lost the rooster and then we got a new flock of nine this, this year. So yeah, they've been, they've been really fun. <laughs> We've enjoyed them. Um, okay, cool. So, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought right there. <laughs> um, I guess going forward, like what kind of crops and, uh, where do you see yourself in your garden and about next year, next five years, do you think you'll keep expanding or diversifying? Well, I think for me, um, for me, I think it will be simplifying. That's something that I was just trying so many different things right out of the gate and it just got to be really exhausting. So I think one of the things that I'm going to try to do with, with my garden is, time my plantings where the harvest is going to be where it's going to be most convenient for me to do harvesting and preserving because I do a lot of canning. And for instance, this year I had to delay my corn planting so that my corn wouldn't need to be harvested while we were gone on vacation. We had a two week long vacation this year. And what I noticed though, is when I did that is it just really helped because right before vacation, we had all of our tomatoes come on and then I could can those. And then when we came back, I had all my corn and then I was able to, you know, blanch and freeze and can those. And then shortly after that, we've had beans. So to me, that's made it easier. So I'm, I'm going to be simplifying to where I can try to plan my, my plantings a little bit better and time them a little bit better. And then I feel like if it becomes more simplified, then I'll be able to have a little bit more room to experiment and do some more fun things with the garden. So that's kind of where I see my direction heading from here on out. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially beginners, they get those catalogs and they're like, Oh my gosh, I could plant this and this and this. And, and I'm like this with tomatoes anyway. I'm like, I want all these tomatoes and I've got, you know, 40 plants or whatever I've started. And obviously I realize they don't need so many. And so it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed. Um, I think even as you're, as you get older and more experienced too, just because you know that there's so much out there to grow, but yes, but yeah, you learn what works. My time, you know, if I'm going to be spending a lot of time in my garden, what's going to be the best use of that? Do I really need this eclectic type vegetable and do I need like a hundred of them? <laughs> or right. Do and I need to just try one or two and see if I like them. Yeah. Cause a lot of times you grow something and you really don't like it. Like I've really come to realize that I just don't really like arugula and I don't want to grow it anymore. So <laughs> I think it was just like secondhand to just constantly grow it because I don't know, that's what you grew. So yeah, <laughs> but I totally understand simplifying and uh, figuring that out a little bit better. Um, you mentioned canning. Do you do any like freezing or preserving other preserving? Yes, I do freezing and canning depending on depending on the crop. Um, one thing this year is I was just going to try to figure out, this is the first year that I had a lot of corn because we planted a lot of corn. My, my kids love corn. And I just, 
I kind of experimented with freezing corn on the cob, canning corn and freezing corn to see what we like the best. So I do, I did all that. And I think we all decided we'd love the frozen corn on the cob. And then we can it obviously too, for different things. And, um, all my tomato products I can, I don't freeze any of my tomatoes. I can all of those and I can okay. all my beans. So it just depends on, you know, what, what the crop is. I freeze all my blueberries. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Freezing blueberries. I was thinking of, um, jams and things like that. <laughs> We've tried blueberry jam and our family just didn't really care for it so much. So we haven't really done that, but we do do strawberry, we strawberry preserve strawberry jams. But I also like freezing strawberries as well. So yeah, we, we kind of have to look and see what we eat and what we eat most of. And this year I'm trying something with okra. Is I'm, I canned some sliced okra for the first time to be able to use in gumbo and, and things like that. And I've never done that before. So we'll just kind of see what works for us. Um, yeah. How do you, can you talk about canning okra a little bit? Because I'm not familiar other than like pickling it. How do you, um, give me a, a brief synopsis of canning that, I guess. Yeah, well, I just looked f- for the recipe in the Ball Blue Book of Canning. And the only reason oh, okay. I need to do that is um, a, f- a friend of a family friend of ours told me that that's what she did. And I never thought of that before because I have pickled it. We, my husband loves pickled okra. But yeah, I just I just went by the recipe in the Ball Blue Book of Canning. And I'm not using it to like bread and fry. I'm, I'm going to keep that just for summer. Fried okra is going to be our summer treat. But um, so I don't know how well it would go if you wanted to bread and fry it, but I, I'm hoping that just for things like, like gumbo, like I said, maybe it will be, it'll work out well. And that way I don't have to buy that at the grocery store. Yeah. You have to keep me posted on that because I obviously, I did not plant enough okra this year. I've been eating it just kind of raw and salads and things like that. But in the past, I've usually just chopped it up to freeze it for like breading or, you know, I have used it in gumbo as well, but I didn't think to can it. So I'm kind of curious now. Yeah. We'll see. I haven't opened a can yet because we've had it fresh and haven't needed to, but yeah, I'll have right, to let you yeah. know about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you said your husband helped fix your trellis up better for you. <laughs> does he help yes. do anything else in the garden? He does. Um, he, he helps with the bigger tasks like the trellis and like building the fence. Um, he also built all my raised beds, although last year he he let me use one of his power tools so that I could help. <laughs> that was a, a big risk for him. But yeah, he built all my raised beds. He also ran the water to the garden because the new garden that we have, um, it's actually a little bit further away from the house. So he ran the water to the garden and he installed the drip irrigation system. He also built my compost bins and he built both the chicken coops by hand in the chicken tunnels. So he's real handy when it comes to stuff like that. And then in the spring, he'll till my garden once. I usually just till it once. Hopefully someday I'll get where I won't have to till it at all. But we do do one till in the spring. And so while he doesn't do any of the gardening or the harvesting, like none of it, he doesn't do any of that. He does do all the other work that makes the gardening possible. So any of the big chores, he's a super help with. Yeah. And how about your kids? Do they help out there too? Or are they kind of not so interested? Yes, they help, although not as much as I would like. Um, my son is 11 and my daughter is seven. And um, I'm the kind of, I just want them to enjoy it. So I don't force them to go out there. Although right. I haven't, I haven't been beyond making it punishment, but every time I make it punishment for something, they end up liking it. So I feel like that's a win-win both ways. Right. But um my daughter, she's always enjoyed planting beans and we've always pulled carrots ever since she was little. And my son helped me plant all the corn last year because he loves corn on the cob. So I had him out there helping me do that. And um, 
one thing though that he loves helping me do, and this is weird because he seems so shy, but he loves helping me out in the garden when I'm doing a Facebook live at the same time. So <laughs> last year when I was pulling up my onions, he was out there doing the Facebook live with me and we were trying to demonstrate, you know, how to know when the onions were ready. And he pulled one and on Facebook live, he eats that onion raw like an apple. Oh, wow. And I could not believe it. I was like, what in the world are you doing? And of course it has a little bit of dirt on it. And then, you know, it's, it's pungent cause it's an onion and mm-hmm. he like spits it out and, and it just cracked me up. <laughs> but what is so funny about that is that now, I mean, he's always kind of like onions, but now he'll eat raw onions when I'm cooking. And if there's onions, like if I'm cutting it for fajitas or something, he's like, mm-hmm. mom, can I snack on those onions? So he'll just snack on onions. So that's I good. never thought that that would come out of it. So he, he likes doing, he likes doing stuff like that. And of course they help with picking the blueberries because our blueberry bushes are so productive now that I, I couldn't pick them all by myself. So last year I let them pick the blueberries and then whatever they picked, I allowed them to keep, to take to the farmer's market and then keep the profit from those. So that was a, a big help for me to get those, all those blueberries picked. Yeah. I think there's like, um, there's definitely a fine line between, getting the kids out there to help and then like them like hating it later. So it sounds like you've got a good, uh, good mix where they're enjoying it, but it's not like you said, punishment. So I really good. want to avoid to be like, I never want to garden again. Cause my mom made me do it growing up. Yeah, but then I also right. don't want to be the mom that's like, well, they don't want to do it. Then I'm not going to make them because I think it's really beneficial. Right. So I try to, I try to walk that, that line and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. My son is three. So right now he's at the play in the garden stage where, you know, I have a little spot for him to dig or look for worms or whatever. But, you know, if we're harvesting, he likes carrots and he does like to kind of help and do stuff. And he gets in his, oh, it's weird. He really likes to go pick fennel and dill and eat that. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's some strange. Eating into a raw onion before you know it. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully, but (laughs) not quite. My daughter loved, loved pulling carrots when she was three. That was probably when she started really enjoying it. And I did, I just gave her a shovel and let her dig in the dirt. I think that that goes well for them at that age. Yes, for sure. Well, I think we could probably talk forever and ever, but I do have to, uh, have to go. So Maybe if you could wrap up, tell people where to find your podcast, um, find you on social media. You said you do Facebook lives. That sounds cool too. Yeah. um, You can reach me at journeywithjill.net and that's where um, most of my gardening content is going to be, but on iTunes or um, whatever your favorite podcasting app is, um, you can find me at The Beginner's Garden. And um, I'm actually on hiatus until January 9th, but all the past episodes you can look at. And I think I have 31 episodes for this year that are, that are up. And then on Instagram, I'm at the beginner's garden and on Facebook, I am at facebook.com slash journey with Jill in the garden. Great. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and I can't wait to hear what you do for a season two. And um, it's exciting. I'm glad you, I'm glad you started a podcast. We needed more. We did. And I think that's one of the big reasons that, that I started it because when I first started gardening, I could not find basic garden podcasts and I didn't even know about yours until you know earlier this year. So I think that was one thing that the more garden podcasts there are, the better. It, it definitely gets people gardening. Yes, that's for sure. All right. Well, thank you and have a, have a great day and great rest of the year. Thanks, Misty. I'm so glad that you had me today. Oh, you're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>